Hello and welcome to the Rearview Podcast. And well, what can I say? The season is well and truly underway. We've had our first race of the season and what a race it was. Um, and as usual, I'm joined today by the wonderful Mr. Reese Keeble. Hello, Reese. Hello. Hello. And returning after her one episode hiatus, she's back. And on my left, uh, Ruth. Hello, Ruth. Welcome back. Hello. Did you have a fun day off? Yeah. Yeah. I did. Yeah. It wasn't a day off. I no. was working. You're probably doing more than you would in a normal yeah. podcast day, to be fair. Um, how are you, Reese? You okay? Yeah, uh, no camera this week. Um, the left side of my face is swollen. So I thought. I'll 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 just do audio, but there, there should be a nice photo of me doing a, a weird pose where I should be. So don't yeah. worry about that YouTube audience. For those of you who just listen on Spotify or anything, it don't matter. Just ignore no. this bit. And for any yeah. new new viewers on YouTube, that isn't how Reese just always stands. That's not his like. That's not how he's doing the podcast. Well, we don't Maybe know what picture. I, I don't know what picture you you're, you're choosing yet. It could be like if it's the one where I'm pretending to have you in a nuggie, That one. Uh, that's how I normally stand. Yeah, so, I do have a true. picture of Reese in the studio um with his shirt lifted oh so we could use that let's one use that. i mean you are more than welcome to use that one if you want it, it, it'll bring in clicks use it that as a thumbnail Clickbait. as well there we go there we go Reed um, has his top off podcast episode <laughs> three we can just there title the title reese, reese has gone mental is it getting hot in here yeah. <laughs> reese, reese wants to show off his uh his tattoo that he's had for a while that he doesn't really show off oh Cheeky, that's a good one. cheeky. Yeah, well, as, you, as I'm sure the listeners can hear, we're in we're in good good uh, vibes today, and I think that the main reason for that, F1's back, boys and girls, and I I'm so excited, I'm so happy, I've missed it. It's back. We had a great race, and what a race it was. Um, so let's get straight into it because we look like we've got a really good season ahead of us. Red Bull look like they're really going to be able to take the title fight to Mercedes, but I mean on a whole, the whole pack the the back of the pack with Williams, the front of the pack with Mercedes, they all look much closer than they did last season. Everyone looks fast. It's going to be a great season. I am so excited. Um, what do you guys make of that race? What do you guys make of that this season? How excited are we? Go on, Reese. How excited are you for the season ahead? Uh, yeah, it should be a good one. It, it really should be a good one. I'm really excited. Um, it, it's... Oh, I, I can't wait. The... Um, you said everyone was looking fast, apart from the Haas. They were looking like they were on um, the, the Dodgems, I think. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it should be good. And, it, and it's nice to see Mazepin spinning. You know, that's funny, isn't it? Yeah, well, we'll have a bit, bit more of an in-depth chat about Mazepin a little bit uh, later on in the podcast. Um, Ruth, what was your opinion of the first race? Are you excited for, for what we're going to be seeing this season? Yeah, again, like Ruth said, the Haas is just ridiculous. I... <laughs> I also like think Nikita Mazepin is just an insanely awful driver to be in F1. Mm. But everyone else looks like the pack looks so close and it was definitely a fight for Hamilton to win the race. It definitely was. So it was very interesting. And I think we saw a lot more how strategy plays into, you know, being able to to get pole position and things mm. so it was interesting it definitely was very interesting and i think it is going to be a very close season um obviously Haas are gonna it's a bit of a weird one for them it looks like they've already written off the season like they've already given up on it saying they're not going to be developing the car much this season they haven't really used any of their tokens over the winter and they're basically focusing everything on to next year and maybe that'd be good maybe next year we'll see a great car from Haas because of this substitute one season for another but i don't know uh, it looks like they've already thrown it away, which isn't great for them. But, oh well. Uh, we'll get on to Haas, like I say, a bit more later on. But let's th- open things up by having a chat about Red Bull's new man. The man that has come in in place for Alexander Albon uh, and Pierre Gasly, I suppose you could say. Uh, Sergio Perez. Because um, for me, he got driver of the day on Sunday. And it was a really mixed weekend for him. But a really good weekend for him to show, actually, he's not. He's he's got good stuff in his back pocket and he could be that driver Red Bull have been looking for. Um, quality didn't go well for him. The Red Bull put him out on the mediums when he had his lap time deleted when realistically it should have been the softs just to make sure he got through. But he qualified 11th, which was looked looked like he, he was promising he could make a good run to the top 10. Then calamity on that formation lap going into the race. Car just switches off. Okay, starting in the pit lane then. That's what, we, that's what he's going to have to do. He did and... He was a man on a mission. He came through that pack, managing to get a P5 finish. What do we make of that? Sergio Perez, 
that's that's a good way to make his name at Red Bull, isn't it? That's a good way to say, look, guys, I'm here, and I'm pretty confident I can do what Alex and Gasly didn't do in this car. What do we make of that, Ruth? We'll go to you first. He is a good driver, and I agree that he had a really good weekend. My only side point is if Albon had qualified the way he did and fought to get that position in the same way, because don't forget, Albon his average finish was p6 mm. if that had been him he would have been slated for not being close enough to his teammate and i think th- if you're gonna judge albon in a particular way because he's Verstappen's teammate you can't then you know substitute paris and instantly say oh what a great driver because he had p6 i just feel like it's very um like he is a great driver i completely agree with that i just also think Albon was a good driver too and I just don't see that big of a difference between Perez and Albon. That's an interesting point and I, I mean I do kind of see what you're saying there but it's going to be a season of seeing how he goes because you got to remember yeah Albon's average position was P6 but that was with not bad qualifying so that was from not starting in the pit lane so you have to look at the more broader idea of it that he went from the back to P5 which is quite yeah, good. I, I just think like you have to just kind of weigh everything up fairly and just the way I see it at least I don't think Perez is that much better than Albon and Albon had never put himself in a position in qualifying where he you know didn't push to try and do the best he could do Mm. and I'm not saying that like obviously Perez didn't you know swap tires because he didn't want to get through like clearly that wasn't the case I just mean you know, Albon never put himself in a position where he would have to start from the back anyway. Mm, true, yeah. What did you make of it, Reese? What did you think of, of, of Perez's weekend? Um, well, to start off with, with qualifying, um, I think the fact that he got put on the med- medium tyres again for a second run wasn't his fault. Uh, that's purely down to the to the Red Bull team and the engineers. I don't think he requested to be on the mediums. Mm. Red Bull just thought that that was the better strategy and he could get through on it, but they were already worn tyres. So um, I don't quite know what they were thinking with that. Um, on his formation lap, um, he said, uh, there's a quote here that said, I was ready to get out of the car uh, when it conked out on him and that he started to get out of the car uh, until his engineer literally went to him, get in the car now, we can start this back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, and then that's when he waved away the stewards because, uh, like they mentioned on commentary, it's illegal to bump start an F1 car. Um, not that you can do that anyways. Mm. Um but if the stewards would have pushed the car, like at all, um, he would have technically been disqualified. Like that yeah. car would have then been out of the race, and that's why he had the brake on, well, the handbrake effectively, um, to make sure that they couldn't push the car and waving them away. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, his race, he had a, he had a fantastic race. Um, he he did it in um, well the Aston Martin, which is which was the racing point. He did it in that. Um, uh, last season where he went from effectively last to to win the race mm. uh which is crazy uh and he's just showing that he he's he still is carrying the same type of skill in a car obviously it wasn't a win but um in a new car finishing fifth uh after being last it, it's it's impressive i think it's definitely going to be one to watch throughout the season i think you know both of your points could could come back and, and be valid he could have a great season he could actually have a, had have a good first race, but then for the rest of the season, he only gets those P5 finishes. He doesn't actually get up onto that podium. But it's going to have to be something we're going to have to keep an eye on. And obviously, it's something we will keep coming back to throughout the podcast after each race and, and seeing how that does pan out throughout the season. It's going to be interesting because that second Red Bull seat, if they are the fastest car, will be becoming hot property. If, uh, if Paris can't make it work there, there might be a few other drivers that say, all right, let me throw my hat in. So it'll be interesting to see, definitely, that's for sure. I, I, I hope he's got the hunger, you know what I mean? Because Sky kept um, um, going towards the point of no one really gets a second chance in a top team. Because yeah. he'd already been at McLaren when McLaren were a top team and Lewis just won the championship um, and he replaced Lewis. So you, you don't get that second chance in a top team and he's got that now. So I think we'll, we'll see a lot of fighting from him. Maybe if you don't get the finishes, you don't get the finishes and then that says a lot about the second car but we will definitely see him fighting, at least. Yeah, definitely. It'll definitely be uh, an interesting one, to say the least. Right then, let's have a chat about everyone's, well, everyone's least favourite Russian, I think it's maybe fair to say, Nikita Mazepin. Um, 
It's really not Putin, Tom. <laughs> That's true. Um, it's really not been the weekend opener he would have wanted, and he hasn't done himself any justice uh, to get into any other drivers' good books. Um, in qualifying, he broke the he broke the drivers' gentlemen's agreement that they have that you don't overtake cars preparing for their sprint lap. Then to really rub salt into the wounds, after overtaking all those cars, he got down to turn one and spun his car, meaning that all the cars he'd just overtaken now couldn't go fast at all. And then getting into the race, he managed to get around two corners before binning the car into the wall uh, and, 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 and completely bringing the safety car out and ruining his race completely. He didn't make it past two corners. It wasn't a great race for him at all. Um, but it was an eventful weekend, that's for sure, to say the least. Not necessarily eventful in a good way. Um, but the, I mean, this is the question I want to put to you guys. Schumacher, obviously his teammate, also had some troubles in the race too. He had a spin. So could it be that that Haskar is just an absolute dog of a car and it, it, it can't go, it can't get around corners safely, or or does Mazepin just not cut it? Where are we going with this? We'll go to Reese first here. What, what do you think? Is Mazepin just awful, or is the car awful, or is it both? So under uh, certified championship FIA races, Mazepin has won three point seven percent of the races that he's been involved in. Mm. So he's been involved in 191, he's won seven, and he's only had one pole position. If you were to, I, I reckon if you were to search up any other driver that is now in F1, it, I'd reckon it would be, it would be at least 8%, in my opinion. Like, I don't think he's cut out for the sport. I think the reason why he's only in the car is because um, daddy's got the books. Like, we kept saying about Lance Stroll, but Stroll's proved himself now. He could come yeah. and prove himself. You know what I mean? But he didn't have a good start with all, all the Instagram stuff like we won't go into that obviously we'll just talk about his racing now but he didn't have a good start with that and fans don't really like him because of that um and then just the way he's making the car look a lot worse than i think the car actually is or mick is making the car look significantly better it's one or the other because mazepin's struggling with this car he is really struggling with this car i think he'll struggle with any car on the grid though to be honest it's interesting that you say Mick Mick might be making that car look better because I don't necessarily think Mick had that much better a race than Mazepin. Obviously, he didn't crash out the car, but he had spins. The car wasn't safe for him, and he did come last. I I don't know if that's necessarily a better performance. Maybe because he didn't put it in the wall, you say it's a better performance. But he it's not necessarily he wasn't setting well, great he, lap times, was he? I mean, if we look at qualifying, he he, he did better. Mm, you know, he, he he did he did quite a bit better. I think it was a couple of seconds better than Mazepin, to be honest. Well, because so, he managed to keep all four uh, wheels on the track at all times. It wasn't well, spinning true. around that's any what, corners. That's what, <laughs> that's what I mean, though. It's like he doesn't know the, yeah, the gentleman's true. agreement. He doesn't know where the race lines are. He doesn't know that if he accelerates while he's on a curb, he's clearly going to spin out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like if you're full on flat down to accelerate. I'm not a racing driver, but at the end of the day, <laughs> like do better. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am a racing driver, as Ruth knows. <laughs> so, um, Ruth, what did you think of, uh, of Mazepin's performance there? I think... We all know that the Haas is an absolute dog of a car. And everyone knows that. And, you know, it, it's a really, it's going to be a really hard car to drive. They didn't develop the car. No. And they had to remove things from it that were previously on there. So, obviously, everything is going to be completely thrown off. All the downfalls, everything. So, I could completely understand, like, you know, when Schumacher had his little spin he still kept it going he still got back in there carried on with the race i think having p19 and p20 finishes is what we can expect from a Haas this season but the fact that mazepin can't even get around two corners just shows that he clearly doesn't know what he's doing in the sport yeah and maybe it would be better for him to have waited and come back into the sport rather than make an absolute fool of himself now and not be able to have a career in F1 because no one's going to want to have him drive their car if they consistently see him bin it into the corner yeah, every not, yeah. two laps. It's just ridiculous to me. And like forgetting the points of everything that happened before this... The fact that he doesn't even understand gentlemen's agreements or d just the basics about Formula One really just show that he he was so undeserving of his seat 
And you have amazing drivers who could have had that seat. Like Jack Aitken would be an incredible driver to have in the house with Schumacher. Two rookies, mm-hmm. that could be really good. But, you know, Mazepin got the seat over him. I'm sure Aitken, maybe he would have spun out, but at least he wouldn't have overtaken. There was, uh, know, that's what you're referring to, Aitken's tweet <laughs> exactly. he put out. Uh, Aiken's tweet he put out after Mazepin's spin. He put, quite happy that I made it 60 laps before my spin in the Sakir Grand Prix. <laughs> yeah see it's it's like, just ridiculous going... to me that sorry Reece. it's okay go on it's, it's your point it's just <laughs> ridiculous to me that there's so many other incredible rookie drivers that could have had that seat and mazepin is the one who got it yeah first and foremost but then after being such a controversial person kept the seat anyway yeah it just doesn't make sense to me and i just as a fan of F1 I just have so little respect for Haas as a team that they are willing to make themselves look like this for the sake of having Mazepin who has money Mm. I must admit there was a part of me that got a bit of deja vu when it cut to that wide shot going up the hill and I saw a Haas spinning out in the background I thought oh god it's happened again I did think that was going (laughs) to be a big fireball I was half expecting it. it was exactly the same framing of that shot from 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 last year's Bahrain Grand Prix obviously when Grosjean had his huge shunt I was like oh it's happened again but no luckily it was just Mazepin spinning out on his own accord and and just taking his wheels off his car when, he's gonna be interesting um, but mm. when I was looking at the the win percentages sorry I've just done a little bit more googling while we were talking about it mm-hmm. the person who you'd put in the car would be Callum Eilat. His win percentage is 7.5% in all races that he's competed in. Compare that to 3%. Yeah. You know oh what I yeah. mean? And then Hamilton, when uh, before he got to F1, 36%. Well, yeah, Hamilton like, was a different breed, yeah. Well, yeah, but you know what I'm saying? Like, 3% yeah. is is ridiculous. To be to manage to get an F1 seat from that is, is absolutely yeah, yeah. ridiculous. I agree. But when your dad's a Russian billionaire, you can do what you want, really. That's the problem. Oh, but that's, yeah. We move. We move. Uh, I'm sure that is not the last time we've been talking about Mazepin on this podcast. So uh, uh, if you want to hear speak more. On, <laughs> speak on, on cars that have kind of gone downhill a little bit. Can we talk about the Aston Martin? Um, I know it's not in the script, but can we, can we go it off script a little bit? It is the next bit of script, talk? actually. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Ah, well, I, I tried to read through, but I, I saw a bit about Vettel and then I died. Okay. Apologies. Let's carry on. Yeah, well, we, we can go. I wasn't going to go into too much detail about Aston Martin. I was going to talk about how they, about more about Vettel and Ocon's little fight they had. But we talk about Aston Martin in the sense that, yeah, um, it looks like their decision to copy Mercedes last year has now come back to bite them because that Mercedes mm-hmm. system doesn't work with the new um, regulations, and that has really hit them. Which I think is what you're going to be getting at there. Reece. Yeah, because um, um, oh, oh, I always say his name wrong. Omar, isn't it? Is it something uh, like that? Yeah, Omar. Um, Otmar, that's it. Um, he said that his cars, because of these regulation changes, are losing a second a lap. Yeah. Because of because of the regular. Now that that's probably over exaggeration, just to get his point across. But that's a lot of time. If you think that um, Hamilton and Verstappen, um, well before Verstappen's final lap sort of thing, was split by uh, 0.2 seconds mm. um, for the pole, or I think it was Bottas and Verstappen and someone was split by that much for the pole. Um, like a second is a crazy amount of time and you can yeah. see that they are feeling it on the track and i think um anyone that's watched drive to survive um season three will know that zach brown and cyril abritbull probably sat in his home somewhere in france wherever he is must be laughing their socks off at the fact that yeah they copied mercedes last season there was that whole part in drive to survive about that and now it doesn't work so that must be a, yeah. a brilliant <laughs> a brilliant turnaround for them and it, it definitely does look like it has come back to Come back to haunt them a little bit. That 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 decision, which worked so well last year, has not um, worked amazingly for them this year. But well, realistically, they should have finished third last year. Like, oh yeah, you know, McLaren the, stole that from them. Without like, the it's only because they had the, they had yeah, they the had the deduction. They yeah, so yeah, so they went from finishing being a top three team in F one to now. I'd say that they're about uh, seventh to sixth. Like, I, they've really gone down. Really, really gone down. I think I think it's a matter of they've gone down and everyone else is caught up and it is that midfield fight. I don't think it's a midfield fight. That fight, the the whole pack is so close now. Apart from maybe Mercedes and Red Bull will be at the front, but the other um, eight teams are going to be nip and tuck all season long. Mm. I think, um, and that will be really interesting to watch because I think at some tracks, 
Um, Aston Martin will be better. At other tracks, they won't be as good and it's going to be fluctuating all season long and that is going to be where you want to watch That's most why it's exciting. Um, I put a tweet out during the race just saying, I, I can't remember. It was the first like 20 laps of that race. That midfield, they were. it was like watching an F2 race. They were all over each other. They couldn't get away from each other. And that was, I was like, wow, okay, this is proper good, close racing. We haven't seen this for so long. And even at the front, it was like that all race as well. And it's, so it's going to be a, a brilliant season. Um, Shall let's we get back about, on script? Yeah, I'm let's talk about the Aston Martin in a bit more detail then, because it was Vettel in his debut for Aston Martin and Ocon on his debut with obviously New Alpine, who had their first race today. Um, they had this really weird, bizarre moment. It, um, I don't really know how to explain it, because Vettel on the radio said that Ocon changed his line. Ocon was completely going in a straight line. He didn't change his line once. Uh, Ocon got past... Uh, yeah, Ocon got past Vettel on the inside. Vettel was on the outside. And Vettel decided he just wanted to tuck back in behind him, forgot to break for the corner, and just went straight into the back of him. And uh, I, I, I was watching it going, well, what's happened there? How has, how has Seb done that? And I mean, I've, I've said it on the podcast before that I really thought Seb could be coming back this year as a fresh, rejuvenated Vettel who is going to be going back to how he was when he was at Red Bull. He's going to be that, that great racer once again. But we just didn't see it from him this weekend. Yeah, okay, maybe the car isn't the best one on the grid, but in qualifying, he was miles behind Stroll. In the race, he didn't have any good pace from what it looked like, and maybe the strategy caught him out with that. Um, his tyres did get old, and he did get past quite a lot because of that. But Stroll was fine at the front. Well, not at the front, but in the you know further at the field. What What's happened to Vettel here? It, you know, First off, what's your, what's your opinions of that incident? Second off, what what's happened to Seb this season? Because I wanted to see so much more from him. Ruth, we'll go to you first. What do you think? I think just from how I saw, you know, him hitting Ockham, it looked like he obviously didn't want to be passed, realised he had been, and was going behind so that he could try and fight for a position back out of it. Mm. And I think he just completely misjudged where Ocon was going to break because it almost looked like his own brakes had failed but I think it was just that he thought Ocon was going to break later than he did mm. and so yeah it was just a really really bizarre crash anyway to have and on your point about um, you know how I thought Vettel was going to be this uh, season and stuff i this is why I just feel like keeping a driver because they have have previously had a world championship and stuff. I mean, you look at how he was with Ferrari. They had a really, really messy divorce and yeah. things. But he wasn't performing that well there anyway. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I just... I would have said I would have picked someone else over Vettel. But again, that's just personally because i don't think drivers who have big names necessarily are the best to keep a seat warm i think it's fair to say if paris hadn't got the red bull seat if paris had been out of a seat this year there would be a lot of anger that he wasn't in that aston martin team this season because mm-hmm. if that's how vettel's been performing every race that is not you know if paris had lost his seat to that and like you said just because he's a world champion there would be a bit of outrage what do you think he's gone they had no reason to kick Perez out of the seat, mm. um, realistically. So you wouldn't have had to pick anyone. You would have just kept in the only race winner that you've got in your team. Yeah. Like, and that's done it in your car already. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the move, I can see why they did it. And uh, we, we talked a little bit during, I think it was qualifying, Tom, about the amount of adverts that Vettel are now in. Uh, the, the Vettel is now in pretending that he's James Bond, yeah. sort of thing. <laughs> like, they've, they've purely done it to say, oh, look, we've got a five times world champion. But if you've got a five-time world champion four. who was done four times, sorry. <laughs> if you've got a four-time world champion, I knew it was somewhere like between <laughs> four and six. Um, if you've got a four-time world champion um, who who knows how an F1 car works, who's done something like 15-odd laps on them tyres, knows that they're going to be like balding, knows that he's not going to have the best grip, knows that he's uh, susceptible to lock-ups, yeah. why would you get that close why would you trust the brakes in a car that you've not really driven before that much? You know what I mean? Like, it was such a stupid mistake it, to it, make. It, You'd it expect did, it from a rookie. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You, it's a mistake you could always forgive someone like Schumacher for making because yeah. he's never Mazepin. been in a Formula One car. Yeah, before. Schumacher, exactly. Mazepin, like someone, um, like Latifi, sort of thing. If that yeah. would have happened, kind of like like to him, but a four-time world champion, and he's made such a silly mistake. Like the 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 fact is, is the mistake the mistake's that silly that we're now talking about it on the podcast, saying should he have really got the seat? That's yeah. how silly it was. And it and this is a podcast that I think pretty much across the board we've we've been very supportive of Seb in the past we've always said that it was that Ferrari seat that has been dragging him down but now we're all questioning ourselves saying should have we put our faith in the wrong places should we have been yeah. backing Seb because yeah. there's questions to be asked I think oh. as well like considering that he is a four-time world championship winner and he hasn't won a race for the past two seasons like I, I just I really question whether he will continue to have a future in F1 if he doesn't perform. Because I mean, for me, personally, I just wouldn't have him in my seat if he wasn't going to to bring anything to the team. I mean, he qual- he qualified much worse than Stroll. And in the race, he finished five places behind Stroll. Mm. I don't know. Not, I just it, It's minute, just not a great not, performance, is it? At the minute, he's not bringing points to the team, but you can't no. say he's not bringing anything to the team. He's bringing a lot of sponsorship and a lot of money. Oh, at definitely. This, at this time, it's like having like Stroll or Mazepin in your team because he is kind of now a paid driver because of the amount of sponsorship that a four-time world champion's going to get you. Yeah. Well, that's it. And I mean, I think <sighs> Aston Martin will be disappointed because I think that they thought slapping that big name brand on it and based on what they did last year, they'd be fighting at the front this season. I think they genuinely thought that that was going to be what was happening. I think they had every faith that they could be challenging for podiums. But we're coming out of the first race and that doesn't seem like it's the case. I think they'll be disappointed with that result and they will be looking to build on it. And I I really don't think I can see Seb lasting in that team longer than, than a season. I can see them even if if Mercedes don't go for Russell next year... I can see Aston Martin trying to poach Russell. Yeah, and that's, I, a, that's I, a big call. Because I'm trying to think of another driver that could get into that seat now. Paris is comfortable at Red Bull. Well, and I he's, can't your British, he's your British guy, isn't he? You exactly. want a British guy in a British team, realistically. Yeah. Like, that's the history of F1. Like how that's... Ferrari always want an Italian in that, in, yeah. in, in with them. And I think if Aston Martin want to build, and they are a brand that, from what I understand, are in F1 to continue to build, to get better... Uh, they're not. They're not just like Alfa Romeo slapping a sponsorship on that team. They have. They have fully taken grasp of that racing point team. They're going to want a driver in that team that they can develop and build with it. And obviously, Stroll is someone they'll think they can do that with. But Stroll's always going to have the ties of his dad owns the team, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Russell for me would be a good option for that. And and uh, I I do think if Mercedes don't cash in on Russell sooner rather than later, teams are going to start sniffing and seeing if he's interested because he's going to run out of patience eventually. Well, if we look at the car that Vettel had last season, uh, which is kind of the car that Carlos Sainz has got this season, even though like it's obvious that that Ferrari's improved, yeah. and I think it's fair to say that it's improved a lot more than anyone thought it would. Yeah. yeah um, but if you look at that, like Vettel was struggling to get out of like P three, uh, Q three even mm. on qualifying, he was really struggling to get out of Q three near the end of that. And so, I, I don't know. I feel like Sainz has still got to adjust to that seat, but so far. Ferrari's definitely made the right call. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I do feel bad for Seb, but hopefully he does improve. And like I say, we're one race into a 23-race season here. So we, lots could change as the season goes on. Um, Vettel was probably the person that had one of the worst races, but I'm just I'm going off script to get here because I just want to make a quick mention of someone that had an incredible race in my opinion. Yuki, Yuki Sonoda oh. is where I'm going. Not Lando. Yuki Sonoda. He is pushing... I'm I'm a Max Verstappen fan, and I've said this before. I like Max. Yuki Sonoda is pushing me. I really like Yuki Sonoda, and he might be pushing for my favourite driver. I'm being honest. Yuki Sonoda, I love him. I have to say, out of all the drivers on there, I cannot think of someone who has come along like Sonoda has. No. And I mean, qualifying was outrageous for him to get P2. Yeah. Was incredible insane in the Alpha Tauri, number one. Number two, the fact that he even got points in the Alpha Tauri in mm. such a competitive field anyway. And it's his first race. Oh yeah. Incredible driver. I'm, I mean I think we can already put his name down for rookie of the season. 
and Absolutely. S1 racing. <laughs> well, what's what's funny is that when we were having the conversation just then about Vettel's mistake, Sonoda didn't even come to my mind that he's a rookie. Like, that's yeah. how well he drove the car. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to give another honourable mention real quick about the race to Lando. Like, we haven't talked about McLaren at all in the script. And it's really hurt my feelings. <laughs> P4 but, is Oh, yeah, it was a good race. Insane. Yeah. yeah, not taking yeah. away from him. Like, like that, that, was a, that was a good drive. Any mistake from any of them three, um, them top three, it was a podium. Yeah. Daniel looked a little bit, I, I want to say boring in the car, but I feel like he's just getting used to his new girlfriend, if you will. Like, get, <laughs> yeah. getting used to how the car's working. Uh, mm. What she likes and what she doesn't like, um, <laughs> but um, I, 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 very promising from McLaren indeed. Like very, yeah. very promising. Oh yeah, but definitely. A little bit of luck in there with Gasly going out so early. Yeah. yeah, that that was disappointing for Gasly. I think Gasly and Sonoda are McLaren's biggest rivals this season. I'll say that honestly. I think now that Racing Point and Alpine look like they've fallen off a little bit as well from what Renault had last year. AlphaTauri looked like they made that step forward they needed to, and and I genuinely can see that being the, the fight for third place. Honestly, with Ferrari as well. I think that the front pack and mid pack have changed drastically. I don't think there's. Um, as many teams in the mid pack as we think there are. Mm. McLaren could so easily challenge for a pole position. AlphaTauri could so easily challenge for that pole position. It's so much closer at the front that I really don't think we can predict any of the races this season. There's nothing to stop Norris coming along and taking a P1 because he absolutely has the car to do it. He absolutely has the drive to do it. And I mean... He's young. He definitely has a future in F1. So I think all of the teams are definitely just worth watching because the cars are just so much closer. It's so exciting to see it. Definitely is. And it's going to be a season-long challenge like that. Definitely. Go on, Reese. You mentioned about Vettel um, being... Sorry, this is the the internet thing where we can't see each other, so I can (laughs) put it in. Um, you ma- you mentioned about Russell taking Vettel's seat after this season, mm-hmm. like them trying to poach him. Maybe I think if Norris is going to feel a little bit pushed out by uh, Ricardo, and if the team give Ricardo a little bit too much, yeah. I could see uh, I could see Norris making the jump, which saddens me to say. I don't want to think about that. I think, but I could I could see Norris making a jump as well. Yeah, that's true. That's not a bad point. I think I think for me though, like. The way I see it, that's Norris's McLaren now, and I, I, I do well, think McLaren yeah. see that as well. I mean, in Drive to Survive, they said Zach loves Lando. Like Zach, Lando is Zach's driver, isn't it? Really? Can you so... do? Can you do Zach's accent saying that? Lando, I love you. That was like you know when you put something into like Google uh. <laughs> or Stephen Hawking, one or the other. I yeah. think McLaren are one of the few teams that I think definitely have the greatest partnership rather than rivalry between their drivers. And I think Norris and Ricardo go together so well. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be great to watch that midfield fight really develop this season. And I really want... I think Yuki got a bit unlucky in that race. He had a bit of a bad start. That's why I think he could have done much better than P9. Um, mm-hmm. I think he did get unlucky. But either way, he was brilliant in that race. And he's definitely got the talent. And that's clear to see straight away. And I think Perez is going to be looking over his shoulder... <laughs> already after one race because this kid's going through behind him there's an insane clip of Sonoda and um i think i can't remember where it is but he is going around a corner and he is definitely on the throttle too much and his car starts to spin out and he takes the corner completely sideways drifts it and yeah, then it. still gets the yeah, he's japanese yeah they invented the drift he um still <laughs> fast and furious. takes the <laughs> correct Lying line out of the corner yeah it's insane the clip i'll have to try and find it yeah. so we can insert it here but yeah jensen button who um is he, he obviously is, he, he loves japan he raced in japan for a long time after he left f1 um his his girlfriend used to be japanese when he was racing in f1 he's got a lot of japanese heritage out. uh no it's a new girlfriend oh, not japanese um all right okay um but he 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 was with guys guy sports this weekend and he basically said like um He's, he's watched Yuki and there's a lot of Japanese drivers that do very well in things like Super GT and as soon as they leave Japan and come to Europe they're not good anymore but Yuki as soon as he left he, he so he was in carts in Japan came over to being European F3 and stuck with it and he didn't lose his spark um, and I think he's going to be great to watch this season he's done something remarkable that the only person I know that's done it in the past is Max Verstappen really so that's the only person you can compare him to 
he went from Formula 3 one year, Formula 2 one year, Formula 1. The only person who did that better was Max. He went Formula 3, Formula 1. He skipped out Formula 2 completely. Um, but it seems like Yuki, no matter what what sport he goes into, no matter what motorsport it is, he'll he'll learn to dominate there, no matter what car he's got. So I'm, I'm very excited to see what he does this season. He, he looks like a, a brilliant talent. He's so young as well. He's he's annoyingly young. He's you know what the, I mean? He's he's two years younger than me. That's how annoying it is. He's the first driver to go into F1 that's younger than me, and he's only he's he's precisely one week younger than me. He's born on the eleventh of May. I was born on the fourth. There you go. Fun fact. He's exactly a week younger than me. Well, there we go. There you go, listeners. Write that down if you want to uh, send fan <laughs> mail into Tom for his birthday. Right, it's coming up. Let's get back to the script then. Uh, <laughs> we went on a lovely little off, off buzz there just for us to talk about how we love drivers and how we I got McLaren in there. Yeah. Um, Finally, this is the bit that everyone's been waiting for really, isn't it? It's the bit, that, the, the highlight of the race, I think it's fair to say. Um, it's the battle we've been waiting for since Spain 2016 when, when 18-year-old Max Verstappen won his maiden Grand Prix with Red Bull. It's that Verstappen versus Hamilton rivalry. Ever since Max came onto the scene, and was like, oh, this guy's great. We've been looking for Red Bull to give him a car that can fight with Mercedes, and they have. And we've got it today, and hopefully uh, and hopefully, we'll be seeing it all season long. A proper title fight, uh, and it feels like a long time since we've actually had a proper title fight. Probably 2016, when uh, Rosberg and Hamilton, maybe that was the last one. I can't remember. I think it is. I think Hamilton's dominated everyone since then. Um it was tooth and nail between Max always long in the race, though. Um, with Mercedes and Red Bulls, they were using very different strategies, which I think was fair to say, to try and catch each other out, try and find a weakness with the other team's team strategy, and they didn't really. You could tell by how close it was at the end there. Um, but, of course, the major talking point came in those closing laps. Max, right on the tail of Lewis, got past him, but ran wide at the controversial turn four, and ended up having to give the position back. Um, so let's do a bit of an impromptu keyboard's corner here. Uh, it's everyone's favourite segment. It's coming back very quickly here for Reese just to tell us a bit more about Turn 4 and the bizarre changing of track limits that's happened there throughout the weekend. What what can you tell us about that Turn 4, Reese? So, let me just put my suit on. Um, <laughs> turn 4. Well, turn 4. It's horrible. So Lewis got away for the majority of the race... I think it was a good 28 laps or something of the race. He got away with crossing that white line, yeah. which we know is impeding track limits. Um, then, when it comes to uh, you know, when it comes down to the nitty gritty, the last 10 laps, we hear that the uh, the race directors have been involved and they said, "Don't cross the right line." Like you've had enough of doing that now. You've you've, you've been pushing it a bit too much, lads. Calm down. Mm-hmm. Um, when Max takes Lewis, he took him on turn four. And he went over the white line. Uh, therefore, he had to give the position back. Um, when speaking to Michael Massey, um, um, Will Buxton found out that it was um, it was because Verstappen gained an on like an on field what do you call it advantage? A lasting advantage. Top, lasting advantage. That's yeah. it. But then um, the point was made of well, didn't Hamilton have a lasting advantage on the timesheet throughout the whole race? Um and it, it's it's a poo show really to come with that car. And Michael Massey's got a yeah. lot of questions to answer. I think it's definitely controversial. Um, it was twenty nine times I think someone posted a video counting yeah. twenty nine times that Lewis crossed that white line during the race. Um, and and Max from my understanding didn't cross it during the race in terms of time until his engineer got on the radio and basically went, "Well, Mercedes are doing it, mate. You can do it if you want." Yeah, we, that was a, that was a difference? very interesting message. That it was, um, yeah, because you, you, I think it was about what fifteen, twenty laps in, that you got mm. that message, being like, "Look, Hamilton and Bottas have been doing it quite a bit back, so yeah. they haven't been pulled up until they get pulled up on it. You do it. Yeah. It's clear that there's a time advantage out there because why else would they be going out? There? Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It definitely is. Uh, you gain about. I think someone said it was about two tenths a lap. You'll gain from going wide there, which obviously over over fifty seven laps or fifty six laps, however long the Grand Prix was. That adds up quite a lot, 0.2 seconds. seconds. Exactly, yeah. two tenths a second. So you can see why they were doing it. So um, it's 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 tricky. He would have gained 5.8 seconds 5. 8. in advantage. Well, there you go. And how how close was Hamilton and, and Verstappen when they crossed the line at the end there? 0.5, that... I think Exactly. So if Hamilton hadn't yeah. have been riding the, going wide on that corner for those 
29 laps, it probably might, maybe Hamilton, uh, Lewis, Max, that's the one, would have been fairly ahead of him. So, I don't know. It's one of these, and it is going to be up for debate for the rest of the season until the FIA really makes something clear and say, because it was, in practice, you couldn't cross that white line. In qualifying, uh, in practice, you could even. In qualifying, they said you can't cross it. Then in the race, they came back and said you can cross it as long as you're not making an overtake. It I was, think so. It... Carry on, Reese. I was going to say, um, Max made the point of you should have left me out there. I would have, I would have got five seconds on him, therefore making the penalty obsolete. But um, there, there was also a point made in an interview. I can't remember who was interviewing who now. But um, they said that because of the the type of incident it was and because it was for the lead of the race, it would have been a five second. It would have been a 10 second for for blatantly ignoring um, the race officials, uh, like what, they, what they said. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think that's, that's speculation you can have. I don't know if it would have been five. It probably would have been five seconds. I don't think it would have been. I I, I think it was Ted or someone. He was on Sky Sports News anyways or something. Yeah. And he said that it would, they would have, they, they probably would have come down very hard for ignoring the rules. So. Well, if Lewis had cut that corner, the five-second penalty wouldn't have mattered by, by our calculations. So. Well, exactly. Mm, yeah. I think, uh, I don't know. Either way you look at it, someone's going to have lost out. Mm. I just think the fact that we had such a great race and the fact that L- Lewis had to work for that position, it, it wasn't easy for him. No. He made a mistake in the race, which he never, ever does. Mm. Probably because of the pressure he must have felt. Yeah. From that Red Bull behind him, constantly gaining and gaining and gaining. I just think, either way you look at it, we had a great race. They fought for that position. Lewis definitely deserved that win. He, he worked so hard for it. Mm. And so it is what it is. I think, yeah, I think he, both of those drivers, I mean, they were miles out of the front from Bottas. They were in a league of their own at the front of that race, but together and they were in different teams. And that's what we, that, like I said, it's what we've wanted to see for so long, this this proper title fight between Hamilton and, and Verstappen people have picked up in the past say this is the new center and Prost you know this is the young one versus the the experienced one to see who which one of them's you know the fastest and obviously round one Hamilton takes it but this is going to be a season-long battle like I'm sure it will be and it's going to be uh, tooth and nail between them all season long hopefully the only problem I have with it is that I was in the car um this morning and uh listening to radio one and newsbeat did a thing on it on hamilton winning mm. and they were like the odds were stacked against him such a monumental <laughs> win it was such a slow car but sir lewis hamilton did it he was and I, I was just like yeah i'm turning this off like, like he that, was driving the sixth place car not the... yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like he was driving a hassan one yeah. and i was like no that was last season's like best car it's still a blooming good car this season yeah, 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 yeah. like yes red bull had the jump and they were like oh it's because of uh in the in, 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 and um, it was because of the good strategy that Lewis won the. Oh, I was like, whatever. I feel like the cars are actually even. That's the, what the I Red think. Bull and the Mercedes. I feel like they're even. I don't think either is better no, than the other. I agree. I think because they had such an advantage before, and now obviously they've had a setback with the regulation change. But I feel like because Red Bull benefited from that, but they definitely didn't have a good car last time that could challenge. I feel like that's what's closed the gap between them. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. necessarily, you know, that one car is better than the other. I think yeah, um, a lot of people are, love to overplay how, how bad Hamilton's car is because they love the fact that, uh, that, that you know, he beat Max still when Max had the best car. But they've got the same car. Well, not the same it's, car, but, you know, they've got the same pace in that car. It's, it's very close. It's also horses for courses as well. Yeah. Like, the... the, the the two cars are set up differently. Like, yes, the Red Bull was faster on this track, but when we go to Wimbledon, like the McLaren could be faster. You know, it all mm. depends on, like, the, it, like, like you said, the very, the very similar, but the different, yeah. the, it, like, the same way sort of thing. Because the cars are set up differently for different conditions, exactly. if you will. I think so it's the, courses for courses. The mm. drivers are definitely having to work much harder this season as well, and we're actually going to see how each driver has developed specifically rather than just the car development too because i just think as well like on the overtakes and things some people had such good overtakes science had a really yeah. really good overtake on vettel and 
Raikkonen, I think it was. Uh, it that was, was a lovely uh, Alonso. Battle. I think it was one oh, of the Oh, yeah, yeah, it was Alonso. Alonso and that was an incredible overtake that I don't think many of the other drivers could have pulled off. So I think that's the good thing about the cars being much closer together is that you actually see each driver, you know, having a chance to show this is what I can do yeah, in this car. Definitely. Well, um, Reese, you mentioned Imola before, so I'm going to jump on the back of that and we'll move on to what we're going to see from Imola uh, next Lovely time. Segue, Three weeks, unfortunately, until we do get to Imola. Um, so we've got a bit of waiting before we get back on track, but if it's anywhere near as exciting as this weekend's race was, I'm sure it'll be well worth the wait. Um, so now we have a bit of a better idea of where the order of cars are. Um, obviously, Ruth, you weren't here last week when we made our prediction for this race. Um, but we door, basically door came to the con- <laughs> we horrible. basically came to the conclusion that we have no idea what to expect. So uh, <laughs> I think we- I said Ricardo <laughs> would come second or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got a bit of a better idea of what the order looks like now, so we can maybe have a bit of a better crack uh, at our predictions. So we'll start with qualifying, uh, and we'll go to Ruth first. Who are your top three going to be in qualifying around Imola? I think my top three are going to be. Verstappen, Norris, Sonoda. Mm. You can tell Ruth wasn't here last week because that's that sounds like a prediction we made last week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Reese, what do you think for your top three in qualifying? Uh, can I just say I really like the sound of Ruth's. Like that. Oh. It, it sounds um, good. It does. It does sound good. Uh, I I think it's gonna be Bottas, Verstappen. Bottas, Verstappen, Gasly, I think. See, here we go. This is this is the classic uh, option of the Rearview podcast, um, putting down Lewis Hamilton in our expectations. Uh, <laughs> I just don't want him to. I don't want him to. Why, why, why would I say that I want that when I don't want that? I'm thinking for qualifying. Get in the bin, Lewis. I think Max is going to be on pole again. I think he's, he, he's, he's got the car to do that. Um, second place, I'm going to put Hamilton third place i'm going to put perez i'm going to go a bit out there mm. i think i think perez is going to have a better qualifying next time out and he's going to want vengeance from from missing there's out this week there's a lot week. of um straights on this track as well there is yeah and the red bull is it's very competitive on the straight it looks better with that new honda engine definitely um and, right, i like how to the race, on, but, i like, oh, I like how on, we were i like how we run about um qualifying and putting Lewis Hamilton down. I when I sent you a text during qualifying saying he's not even gonna make top five. <laughs> <laughs> We're not biased, but I did send Tom a text saying he's not gonna make top five. We so. love Lewis Hamilton here at the rear view pod. Hey, um, if he wants to come on for an interview, oh, he can come we'll on. be nice. We'll be you nice. You know I actually rate him as a driver. I just don't rate the same same thing. Not even that, just I feel like the fan base of Lewis Hamilton can be so toxic. Hold on, don't exclude our audience. (laughs) And it just, for me, just makes him seem arrogant, even though he probably is like one of the nicest people. Mm. It just, in my mind, every time I think of him, I just associate all of that negativity with him as a person. The Facebook post of I'm different. I was about to say that, yeah, (laughs) I'm made different. Yeah, well, I think, okay, your, mom dad, I think your mom and your dad got together. You know, I think that's how you were made. Everyone's made the same way. Unless uh, you're in a test tube. Let's go on to the race then. Who's our top three for the race going to be? Who is going to be winning and coming out on top in the middle? Hmm. Uh, I'll go first, actually. I don't normally go first, so I'll mix things up a bit. Um, I'm going to go yourself. for... Max Verstappen is going to win. I think he's going to want that win from this time round. I'm going to say Sergio Perez is going to come second. And I'm going to say... Lewis Hamilton will be third. I can't remember the last time Lewis was third on a podium, mm. to be fair. So, um, we'll Reese, to... do you want to go next? Yeah, go on, Reese. I was still thinking. I was hoping you would. You had it. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'll go. I'll go Bottas with the win because he'll be hungry for it. Then I think I'll go Max second mm-hmm. and Lewis tenth. So <laughs> Norris, Nor- uh, Ricardo or Norris third. I think. I think a McLaren's got a really good chance of being on the podium round Ilmala. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I absolutely agree with that. I'm going to say Verstappen, Norris, Perez. Interesting. Okay. I, really I really believe that, <laughs> that the McLaren are definitely in with the chance, but I also equally believe that an AlphaTauri driver absolutely has a chance mm. at Ilmala as well. 
I mean, well, I will say with a pinch of salt that there is three weeks between this race and Imola, and we know what Mercedes are like. They'll probably build a whole new car in that time. So, you know, they'll probably copy Red Bull by the time we get to Imola. Who knows? Are they, um, are they allow- how, how much are they allowed to change the car between races? You know, that's a great question, Reese. Maybe that's some research you can do and come back next week because I don't have an answer. You're the F1. <laughs> I was going to say you're the F1 fan, but technically we're all fans here. Yeah, I, 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 I don't have aren't. an answer. I, I, I think Let it's limited. Google. It might not Talk be limited. Talk amongst yourselves. But, Talk yeah. amongst yourselves. Um, well, I was getting ready to wrap up, but Reese is doing some research now, so we'll, we'll leave it another two minutes for Reese to, <laughs> to do some Googling. What did you have for tea, viewers? Did you have uh, some biscuits? That's a normal thing to have for tea. Not. I hope you didn't. I don't know. I'm Ruth's Googling. Reese is Googling. I'm just talking to you because who knows what's happening now. This is just me, you know, impromptu. Impromptu presenting. That's what I do. Is it? Ruth, have you, have you found anything, Ruth? Um, not just yet. No, I'm, I'm, I'm saying... It's telling they don't, me key it, they're, they're saying they don't use different not, cars. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. We'll find out for next week and we'll bring it back no, to you. No, no, no. Stay, stay on. Stay on. It, they do not use a different we'll car that. for each race. That's what However, I've seen. the setup for each race throughout the season is different depending on the track. Yep. So, obviously, they can fine-tune the aerodynamics of the car. specifically for this season? Yeah. Well, I, I found a bit about refueling here. Should we talk about that a little okay. bit? Okay. We haven't so... got an answer. We haven't got an answer. So, <laughs> we'll come back next week with a, with a more precise answer. Um, hopefully, it'll be a cracker. Be hopefully, it'll be a cracker of a race either way. Um, and of course, as always, we'll be back for a, a, an episode right after the race talking about it and everything we thought about it. So until then, what I've been Ruth. I have been Ruth. And I'm going to oh, go I've on a break Tom. for three weeks. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, we've got to, we, we, what are you doing with your three weeks, Tom? Um, this is all uh, we've got in life. What, what shall we do? Uh, I d- nothing. I'm just going to sit here and wait for the next episode. I'm, I'm not going to move. Three You're weeks. not even going to watch okay. the race? No. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, Tom, it's gonna it's gonna come to the Monday after the race, and Tom hasn't seen it because he's just waiting to record the podcast. Anyway, right. I've been Reese. Au revoir. I have been Tom. I've been Reese, and we'll see you next time. Bye, Reese. Wave your camera, even though it's not on. Woo!